0: You are listening to Peace Off, the Ski Racers podcast brought to you by Nordica and Keller Williams, Sun Valley, Southern Idaho. I've been a big fan of Tommy Ford for a while now. Um, well, I guess, you know, we can all remember him in Truth in Motion back in the 2010 Olympics when that little uh, vignette came out uh, on NBC with Jake Zemanski and Ted Ligety and Tommy. And... You know, back then he was one of the young guns, and now he is, in my eyes, still kind of one of the young guns. However, he's definitely asserted himself in recent years, and as of now, when this episode will come out, he certainly has done that inarguably. Well, it's been a long time coming, but finally, Tommy Ford is available, clear minded, th- you know, thinking straightforward, and ready to uh, have a productive conversation uh the reality of that remains to be seen especially with me in the room but tommy thank you so much for uh finding the time to finally uh, be on the show
1: of course glad we finally connected thanks for making a show like this and getting me on it
0: well you know i mean i feel like you're you're such a great uh culture keeper of uh u.s racing and um you know of course you i think you know, I've been following your story since the beginning, since the D team days with Max Hammer, and uh, um, you oh, know, yeah. it's and uh, let's see here, truth in motion, and uh, <laughs> some injuries, and then uh, switching from Fisher to Head, and um, getting on, uh, even doing the uh, uh, yours. I think you're on the plastic plate, the Vist plate versus the t- uh, titanium uh, aluminum one, even, and so. Just kind of watching your evolution and how the results have stacked up with it. I mean, you're coming off, you know, 2019, was, would you argue that was uh, your best season?
1: Yeah. I mean, results showed it, but as far as my clear-headedness and happiness, I would say I was more consistent with, with that throughout the season. So that's a, that's a win in my book.
0: Yeah, so you feel like there's a direct parallel with your mindset to your to your actual performance?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Gosh, that's a, that's a whole other episode, by the way. Let's uh, <laughs> let's let's maybe save that one for another time because uh, I know we've got a lot of other. I've I've got a couple other ideas that I'd, I'd love to um, uh, present to you, but I I do. Since we're still in the ballpark of singing your praises, I will say um, one of the greatest pleasures I had of two thousand eighteen that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also went to the Hanencom that year. So this stacks up against that as well. Um, U.S. Nationals here at Sun Valley, your first run of GS was one of the most exciting runs of skiing. It was the most exciting run of skiing I saw that entire season.
1: <laughs> really? I,
0: I would um... say, I, I, but I, I will say that RCS's super G win. That run he had at that, I think it was the day before, that also was right up there with me, but I loved them both for very similar reasons. But watching you specifically in that first run was just total, totally professional, and just ex- just excellent skiing. Oh,
1: well, thanks. I wish Ryan would have finished that run.
0: You, well, you, well, of course. You, know, you, <laughs> you I mean, you want to, you want, you want everybody to, all the good ones to come to the finish, so you can say you legitimately beat them. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's always a pleasure skiing at that
0: Greyhawk
1: that I run. Yeah, yeah. Nice consistent steep, good snow.
0: Actually, it kind of reminds me of before we actually digest in or get get settled into the actual meat of this conversation. Um, actually, I've got some video footage of you from Noram Finals from maybe five years ago, at Waterville Valley, and and we we can. I I'd love to. I'm gonna spit a couple ideas at you, and then you feel free to elaborate on what the realities are. But what I see is is you just wanting to hit your mark uh, on the rise line every single time, and then just have a massively strong inside half, and that's just consistently each turn. And it just seems like once you get those, once you have those two things in place, everything else is just like kind of coming at you and it just ha everything else just kind of happens but it just seems like you are so um you've got those two pieces figured out in your skiing and it just you just watch the rest of it come together without any panic and it is and it just creates really clean runs and that's a lot of what I saw in Sun Valley you know granted that run is much harder than Waterville as much as I love Waterville um and, and, and I guess that just shows the strength of your mileage on the World Cup and having skied such strong, tough pieces and surfaces. But, I mean, would you say that, that those are, I mean, am I, are you looking at them the same way? Are you thinking about it differently? Or is that an accurate statement?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, getting, being patient across the hill is huge. And it's always a challenge. So it's something to always work on. Right um and that strong inside half or driving your inside hand or like closing your outside ribs all that it's like that just kind of ensures that you're in a good position um and so yeah I don't know I, just, I try to keep my time since I got injured back in 2013 I don't know I just felt like I was became a little more focused when I did it becomes get back on snow and be efficient with my time in the course and work on my skiing every turn and be consistent with that and get and not always worry about being the fastest on every day of training or anything. Just like stick with the progression that um where I'm at and get that movement pattern dialed in. have the body learn the biomechanic of whatever movement you're working on and, and uh, stick with that and then it becomes more second nature so when you do come on race day you don't have to work on things so much you just allow things to happen
0: yeah yeah that's and that I mean that right there in the S it's just like that's it, it sounds so easy coming out of your mouth too whereas you know gosh what if you just said it 2013 you're well into your 20s when when this actually like started to click at least that's yeah. what i'm hearing out of you and meanwhile um you know some kids are a little are, are getting done their college years or i don't know i mean that's yeah i was
1: like 26 i think yeah that so yeah i don't know like when i was younger i had a good base i learned how to ski well young and i skied a lot and for a while i just skied as fast as i could and had a lot of inconsistency and was really fast at times, but learning to ski with quality is is, 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 is what, what has made a difference in the last couple of years.
0: I think I feel like that's something that I notice a lot with with the college kids, college racers, because their time on snow is so limited that they're almost by default forced into into that just so they can get what they need out of things and meanwhile you know you pair that with the actual mileage that counts I mean all of a sudden that's 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 a pretty dangerous and ideal combo
1: Yeah 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 I mean people there's that I don't know I didn't know the details of this study that well but there's that book talked about 10,000 miles or 10,000 turns or something 10,000 repetitions of intentional practice Right You know what I'm talking about that's I know kind of exactly what you're buzzing talking around.
0: About. Yeah yeah
1: that that I mean yeah it makes sense but this also seems kind of discouraging to me if you're like older or just notice that you're you haven't skied as much as some of your peers over your lifetime like that that can be discouraging and I think you can you can get a lot out of your skiing if you really have intention with each moment on on skis. Yeah, and I think it's like it's not measurable compared to 10,000 turns, but it's it's got it's got something there for you.
0: Well, just even getting like you know 20 hours or you know 20 whatever 200 turns a week, you know that stuff starts to count add up. So it's really like you know when you take uh, if you if you took those 10,000 turns or 10,000 hours. And broke it down into the into the baby steps was what you know, which is what you would do with ultimate goal with an ultimate goal, right? Like winning an Olympic medal. Okay, how am I going to get there? Start breaking it down to what am I doing right now, sort of stuff. So, you know, however many steps in the process down the ladder to get there, you know, that's that's what ends up having to be. You know, like Bodie talks about respecting the process and whatnot, and that's 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 really what it ends up being. It's just every day, you you have to have these that intention that you speak of because then that that's what adds up you know so you can't you can't stand at the bottom of a mountain and go gosh i got to get to the top of that you know and 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 be fearful of it you got to take put one foot in front of the other and start working your way up it yeah so um, (laughs) uh but full full so shifting shifting the topic here um in full discretion, uh, I have to give Steve Perino uh, full credit for uh, the con- the content of where this conversation is going because you know, I think it was at Beaver Creek this year, I was, I was shooting the breeze with him and he had just finished a conversation with Forrest Carey and discussing how you test skis, how you determine... Well, I'm going to let you elaborate on it, but I'm thinking anywhere from how do you choose your quiver from the, from the, for the year all the way up to, you know, how are you going to choose your ski for the, that particular race series or day of racing? Um, and he just, Forrest spoke so highly to Steve about your, your process, and I just thought, well, gosh, this would be something exciting to hear, provided you're willing to talk about it. <laughs> Share your secrets.
1: Yeah, you mean Steve, the motorcyclist who follows the Tour de France for the camera? Uh,
0: that, in you know, in in the month of July, yeah, that's uh, that's that's the guy.
1: Just saw him on TV the other day.
0: <laughs> mo- mo- yeah. Yeah. Most people can say that.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I've always kind of had a hard time keeping track of what feels like what and what makes a difference on equipment. And like I can feel a lot of things if I really have a focus in a certain area. Um, but I find if I'm skiing well and consistent, then I'm able to find get more information out of my testing. So I work on that first and foremost. I, I get my skiing dialed in. And if I'm going to start testing stuff, I try to... <clears throat> Have very few variables, and maybe I'm not skiing the fastest I always ever ski. I just like ski more, more consistent. Um, like some guys, like don't even pull out a start; they just lift up their poles and go. Um, mm-hmm. I, I still push, and, you know, do that. Um, and yeah, so I try to minimize the variables and like go to one variable pretty much. Whether uh, that's changing your canting on your right foot. Or lift, changing your lifters on your bindings, change your ramp angle. Um, it's one variable at a time, and for me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if I'm messing with boots, I can do two with one thing with a ski, one thing with the boots. But that's because I keep track of um, some data from each day. Uh, no. I have a spreadsheet that um i helped that i developed that it tracks like the conditions of the day and based off of just a small little scale of, like one to four one being i don't even remember i have to look it up but one being like smooth for surface and four being exceptionally holy or bumpy but i have surface conditions i have uh firmness of the snow i have um the hill type like where it's like steep or flat rolly um as much information as possible with, without getting overboard uh, and sometimes ian garner my coach helps put in some half the data because it's just it becomes a lot if you're doing it every day right but returns and when I'm so the data I actually put in is like my feel on each run and I kind of rate it between one to five like five or four one to four four being like that was best feeling ever one basically chattered my whole way down skied out four times (laughs) Um, and that's what I do feeling and consistency and that one's kind of tough to do consistently because i rated just like four making i made the best turns from top to bottom every turn and one being like i made one sweet turn oh gosh Uh, so so you get the gist but
0: does this data like like house itself like does it come down to like like um when you you do like add up the variables and then it kind of outputs what ski worked the best. So like if you get to, let's say Adelboden or something like that, and you're looking at, you know, let's say it's a couple days before you're gonna train a little bit, and when you get to a place like that, you you assess the variables and the conditions there, and then revert back to your spreadsheet to know what ski was or what setup was working well for that.
1: Um. Not so much at the moment because there's we do a lot of this in the the prep periods, okay. like August and the fall, and with head and there's a lot of there's a lot of variables with head. There's just different ski models, different side cuts and constructions um, that I have access to, and <clears throat> I'm pretty fortunate with that. And just to, to sift through that takes some time, and so to get the best ski that works in most conditions that's that's kind of our goal right now, Daniel and I am a technician Mm -hmm. to find one ski construction that works most consistently um, and sidecut works most consistently Um, that's been working in the years past but now I think we're trying to get a little more specific to conditions Uh, this ski works better on this condition this flex works better on these temperatures or something like that Um, Haven't quite dialed that in. Uh, So, yeah. And the unique thing to me is the blind testing. Daniel, we talk about setup. He gets the setup dialed in and then he numbers the skis and changes the number every day. Um, And so, and I intentionally don't look at the setup too much before training. So, I go out there with an unbiased um, view, start to go out and. And this allows me to just to focus on the skiing, other than what something feels like all the time. Yeah. So I can make changes to my skiing, work on more of my consistency with my skiing.
0: Wow. I mean, first of all, it's a gr- it's great to have a resource, where and a game plan with people supporting it. Um, I mean that. I mean that that just seems to me like you're giving yourself the best opportunity to to actually discover. I think it's genius to not be aware of it and uh, to let your skiing be the primary focus. But the, so it sounds, but it sounds like this whole uh, um, collection of data is just a, a kind of an evolving door. Like you know, you started trying to get it simplistically find a, a ski that would work all the time, to so that you just had some consistency. But now that now that more data and more ski testing has occurred you're now opening the doors to kind of having more determining factors to kind of open the door to the, the quiver a little bit. Um, is that, is that safe to say?
1: Yeah. So we got <clears throat> just a better feel for what does what <laughs> on snow. Yeah. And I, I encourage the like, younger racers to, to experiment a little bit with a setup because I mean, it's not going to solve everything. Like, people would say, my canting's off, I can't ski today. It's like, well, yeah, to an extent, but <laughs> you still got to be able to ski. Um, and skiing just comes down to movement, and you can ski pretty much anything if you can adapt. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a little disclaimer, but there are some tweaks that really do help um, if you know what to tweak. And there's like the ramp angle makes some difference, and like how the ski initiates. Um, moving your mounting position forward and back so changes how the ski initiates again and how it releases. Um, and just do little, little things, and do only do one variable, and just try these little, little things.
0: And then, but if then that way,
1: you can, yeah, go ahead.
0: But if you're blind, if you're blind, I mean, I, I'm assuming the number system helps is, is with with all the other variables helps kind of with the outside factors, because I mean, if you're only tweaking one things that is simple things at a time, it's not like you're sitting there at the top of a buff GS course on a easy going hell and you've got 10 pairs of skis and whatever runs fastest is the ski you pick, you know? So this, this sounds to me like, um, how do how do you, are you I mean, is this number system with one through four, really critical to determining that because uh that's where the variables are being kind of um boiled down I, I,
1: yeah yeah so I forgot to mention time we okay. throw time in there right and rank it for the day and then um make a percentage out of it it's like how far off the fastest time of the day was I like the entire group and okay. how far off my own fastest time would i each run and so we can do like a little pivot table through in excel <laughs> i don't totally understand this because i didn't get enough schooling in excel but garner helps make these tables that spit out numbers uh, ski model numbers that say like hey this is this time is within the top or this key has been in the top 0.5 percent every time for the last or like this many times compared to this ski and so we can see like usually it spits out like pretty obvious like okay this had the top 0.5% time and feel you can combine those and feel the last 20 sections so it's like a log that keeps this history of the equipment too
0: right jeez this thing is (laughs) this is incredible I mean I'm I'm, if uh, if Graham Linetto at Swix. Uh, listens to this episode, he might be calling call to see if uh, for for a uh, see if this thing can be uh, you know so, some kind of software they can house with Swix or something like that. This is this is next level. And
1: I'm, I'm sure they're doing stuff like that with Swix or ski testing. Like,
0: yeah, but the, yeah, I don't but know. for a software, but to have like kind of a created software that that. It has like a formula to it. That's I mean, that's that's pretty clever. That's pretty clever. See ski coaches in their brains. See that's that's amazing. See in and who knew.
1: <laughs> well, that's and you know, I'm I have a tendency to overthink things. Hmm. Um, it's just kinda what I I don't know, that's what my I do sometimes and this has been a way to to <laughs> it doesn't make sense but it allows me to think less uh especially in season
0: yeah absolutely so, like,
1: it takes brain power to like get it all set up and going but once i'm in season i'm just like taking some basic notes talking with daniel every day and making little tweaks here and there and allowing like trusting the system to work to pop out skis and boots that we need
0: well, that's that. And that's an what you said right there is just an, is an argument that, you know, I make on a daily basis, even with just, you know, these 12 and 13 year olds. It's like the more you can you could control or um, the more variables you can eliminate, the more you could just focus on being a skier. I mean, the last thing you want to do is get in the gate, especially at a World Cup and you know have a piece of doubt in your mind going well i don't, maybe i should have had one more strip of duct tape on my outside foot a left foot maybe that is that gonna is, did i want to do that and meanwhile you're in the gate and you got this little scotch of doubt in the back of your mind and that 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 scotch of doubt somewhere along the line is going to start becoming bigger and bigger and bigger in that run so if you're in the gate and you're just like these are the skis this is the boot This is, everything's where it's supposed to be. I got the, the, this lens is perfect. And you get to just go out there and do what you do. And that's like, that's the most, and that's the best part, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So so what kind of things, so what kind of things are going on? Like now that this, this evolve, this system is evolving for you over time, Um, what kind of, and and we may have touched upon it already, but what kind of things right now, like at this very moment, what's your next plan of attack with, uh, your testing right now? Like where in this evolution are, are you specifically at this moment and where, where is it going to go from in, in the immediate future?
1: Um, throwing in a couple more variables that or more specific to Booms. Excuse me. Um, and I think what... Um, I was a little bit too removed at times last year and wasn't as flexible with our choices, Daniel. And I weren't as flexible with our ski choices um, on certain conditions. So I think changing, just being more open and talking more about the setup at the end of the day so we can keep the bias, unbiased approach in the morning and then if I need to make some more changes just trust that I, I can talk about it and and actually make changes as we're going a little more and Does that, does that have make to,
0: sense? Yeah, absolutely. Does that have to do with, you, you mentioned having uh, an incredible privilege with Head to have access to a lot of their skis. Is that because you think that there are other skis that they're making right now that could be uh, massively effective for you or, I mean,
1: Um, well, I don't know. That's kind of, they're always experimenting. So there's, there's like, there's that potential. Yeah. Um, So it's just keeping, you know, just being our toes to be able to test things quickly and efficiently as they come Uh, with head and have, we have a baseline model. That we know works. So,
0: what's the longest? What's the, what's the longest you've ever used a single pair of skis? How many seasons? <laughs>
1: uh, single pair of skis. I think I used like two or three pair, um, like switching off every so often. This for one full season. They so just yeah, they don't last much longer than that as far as the power and the edges.
0: Oh, right, right, yeah, the edges.
1: Yeah, so um yeah, I would say like my race skis I have like two or three race skis and those last the full season. And they become training skis in the in the summer and usually we keep one the best race ski for the next year just in case. Yeah. But it's just, you gotta just trust the companies that they do a good quality control and um and trust that they'll come out you'll find another ski and boot even though every day of manufacturing is different right and temperature is different glue is different and like yeah everything can be different but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be better or worse so
0: well, I remember like when uh when Bodie was with Rosignol. I think he only wanted skis that were made in June because of how, right. be, how 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 because of the temperature of the factory and how the adhesives came together. Do you is there anything like like kind of like kind of meticulous like that that you're that you're uh always kind of geared towards with head?
1: Um, no, I don't have quite that luxury, just because already had a different uh, <laughs> status, in a way. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, Head's a huge company. So, I don't know, It's I think it's naive to think that I can have that kind of say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's why I've made sure just to be open to continually trying new things and not be so set on a setup or a boot and and i mean i keep a history of them and keep track of what i like and keep my boots
0: Um, is there uh so do you have like a a few different batch codes that you guys are sending every year saying we want this ski again or we want that ski again and are they able to recreate it as best they can for you or do you yeah or do you ha- yeah are you... typically
1: they, they typically keep them run, running the same models running yeah. um, and especially if people are actually skiing on them um, and if people aren't skiing on them they kind of stop manufacturing if you are persistent they might make a model that hasn't been made for a while they also focus on on that that type of approach more of just focus on what I can control my skiing and my equipment and, um, the people I'm around and how I carry myself. So
0: thank you so much for being, uh, so gracious, uh, and sharing this information. Um, you know, I know these, some of these secrets are, can be perceived in different ways by different people and being open to sharing them is only going to help our sport. And, uh, Thank you very much for uh taking the time to, to do that with us today.
1: Absolutely. And that's right on point. Sharing is how we should evolve as a nation with our sport. So
0: and it's, it's, I guess you're right. It's all about the future. Yeah. In the past for that matter, but still. I, I, I think I think I think we touched on it.
1: Yeah, I mean it's all connected. All right, on. Thanks for having me on, James.
0: (laughs) You got it, Tommy. Thank you. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, another fantastic season. Sounds like you're really starting to figure. You know, get get these finer points figured out, and you know, all the best to you. All right.
1: Thank you. Well, look forward to seeing more episodes
0: and that concludes the first batch of season five we got more episodes that'll be released later on i'm hoping maybe in january sometime early february at the very least i've got a ton of uh, guests lined up for the second half of the final season season five including tyler palmer and a very special guest to, to be left unnamed for our final episode we'll see you soon this is Pista, Off the Ski Racers Podcast brought to you by Nordica and Keller Williams Sun Valley, Southern Idaho